So good to see all of you tonight. We welcome you to our midweek Bible study period here at the Carthage Church of Christ. And to those who are viewing online, we appreciate your tuning in as well. I will mention just a thing or two. This little book was found here in the building. It's got notes from uh, uh, lessons, it looks like, and so on. And if you know whose book this is, you probably will want to pick it up. All right. You recognize it. Okay. I'll lay it right here on the table and we'll get it later. <clears throat> I have found things like that in the building in years gone by. And sometimes it have a cartoon of the preacher in it. And I was always impressed with that. Now I have a lesson that I preach, uh, I've preached maybe two or three times, things found in a church building. You'd be surprised what I have in my little packet over the years. How about that? What a memory. It was the cap off of a beer bottle. Found it in the building, this building. Now, I, my explanation was a kid was play or picking it up out somewhere on the street. Hope he didn't get it at home. But uh, it's it's very interesting to think about things like that. Let me update you on one or two that will be in addition to the list that's in the bulletin. And I apologize, I found a typo just a few minutes ago. It wasn't Elaine's fault. I'm the one that typed up the news and the notes about the sick. And I put David, uh, Dayton Jameson was to be his doctor this week due to continued pain in his back and leg. That's supposed to be to see. He's not going to be his own doctor, but he, he might doctor himself some too. But uh, we hope that uh, Brother Jameson gets better. But I apologize for any errors like that that you find. Sister Darlene Hackett is having a lot of trouble with her knee, and she called us just before services tonight and said that they would not get to be here tonight. And pray for her and uh, Dennis as uh, they take care of these two boys, and uh, we hope that all will be well with them. Uh, Jimmy Rector's sister-in-law was killed in an automobile accident uh, a day or two ago and lived in Ohio, I believe. But Jimmy is a camper, one of our counselors at camp. A lot of you know him. And we also grieve the passing of Caitlin Meadows Jones. Uh, she's also from Jackson County. And she, too, has a young child and was killed in an automobile accident uh, there in Jackson County on her way to school, to teach school. So uh, be sure to keep those families in your prayers. And also the Alexander family, uh, a lot of you knew uh, Miss Alexander uh, teaches. Uh, I've been teaching at Gordonsville for a good while. And uh, keep that family in your prayers as well. <clears throat> also, I believe that uh, Mr. Hubert Hall, uh, who passed away, he's related to Miss Wilma Richardson's family. So uh, let's remember him or that, them too in your prayers. Be turning to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. R.W. and I went to the lectureship at, up at Southeast Institute of Biblical Studies, formerly the South, uh, the uh, Carnes uh, uh, Preacher School, at, as it was called uh, back years ago. But uh, 
they had a really good program. We were there on Monday, and uh, they gave us a box of the uh, books from the lectureship, uh, lessons from the book of John, and uh, you can pick one up out there. We have 50 copies. Uh, try to limit it to one per family till we make sure that everybody has a copy of it. And we have utilized th these books uh, in our Wednesday night studies. Uh, but I didn't know that they were going to do deal with John, or I probably wouldn't have started a uh, study on it. But <clears throat> I was going to look through this after uh, last night. I got to looking through it, and I thought, well, I'll find me some really good material on John chapter 7, and I'll use that on tomorrow night. They don't have a lesson on anything in John chapter 7. <laughs> and I was, I was kind of shocked because there are some outstanding statements and situations that I want us to look at in John chapter 7. But this is an excellent read, and we commend it to you. Brother Sam Wilcutt has a, uh, a lesson in it. He's the preacher at Montrose, and uh, several others that you will recognize it's just always good to keep books like this around. We hope that you will read it and study it. And then if you don't want to keep it, pass it on to someone else. But encourage your children to read it uh, also. John chapter 7. John chapter 6 ends with some disciples leaving Jesus and walking no more with Him. And we're told beginning in verse 1 of John 7... After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the work that you do. For there is no man that does anything in secret. And he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. And then John adds this, For neither did his brethren believe in him. Then Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but me it hates, because I testify of it, that the works thereof are evil. Go you up unto the, this feast. I go not up yet unto this feast, for my time is not yet full come. When he had said these words unto them, he abode still in Galilee. Now, verse 10 says, But when his brethren were gone up, then went he also up unto the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. You'll notice several things will appear in this uh, particular chapter. I haven't talked about or didn't read the entire chapter. But you'll notice that this chapter deals at the first with Jesus' family. And we all know that family is very important. But it really hurts when your family does not believe in you, doesn't it? Now, that would be pretty painful. 
to have a family, have brothers and sisters who do not believe in you. If your parents do not believe in you. You know, I've known of children being hurt very deeply because they told their parents the truth, but their parents didn't believe them. That really hurts. There was a woman who told me one time that uh, she had slipped up into the loft or attic many nights after her boy had gone to sleep to see if she could smell alcohol on his breath. And I thought, well, that's pretty remarkable. But I asked her one day, what would you have done had he awakened and said, Mother, what are you doing? Do you see the dilemma that she placed herself in? She would have had to have told him the truth and maybe cause him to be hurt very deeply because my mother doesn't believe me. She doesn't have faith in me. Or she could have lied. That would have been the only other thing she could have done. Oh, I was just checking on you. She wasn't being honest. She was trying to deceive him into believing that she, her real concern was not whether he'd been drinking or not. Now, you'll usually find out. How many of you know uh, people who thought they were sneaking when it came to smoking? My oldest brother began smoking when he was in high school. And uh, daddy found the evidence in the car. And he told him, son, don't you slip and hide from me. Daddy smoked at the time. And he said, if you're going to smoke, you don't have to hide from me. Don't think that you do. And I think both of them maybe learned a good lesson there. But uh, when your family doesn't believe in you, it, was, it would hurt. It really would. And here is Jesus who has been doing all of these miracles, or doing several miracles anyway. There's some uh, that have already been recorded in the book of John, which would indicate that they already had some evidence of what he could do and who he was, and they even talk about that to him, saying it. If, but notice what the way they make this statement. If you do these things, then show yourself to the world if you really do these things. But there was an element of doubt there, clearly in their minds. And then John goes on to explain that his brethren did not believe in him. Now, we learn later that they believed when? When did they come to believe in him? After his resurrection. So even at the time of the crucifixion, they didn't really believe in him. They didn't realize he was really the Son of God. But when he was raised from the dead, that was evidence that they could not ignore. 
and they came to believe in him. And it's believed, of course, that uh, the book of James was written by his brother and that the book of Jude is written by his brother, his fleshly brother. Really would be a half-brother, wouldn't it? But that's a very interesting thing. Uh, we'll talk more about family in a minute. The Jews really come to the forefront in this particular chapter. Notice that he walked no more in jury. J-E-W-R-Y, that is, among the Jews. That was usually synonymous <clears throat> with Judea. And around Jerusalem, there was a heavy population there and not very many Gentiles. In some of the other sections of Palestine, there would be heavy Gentile populations. And uh, Jews might even, in some instances, be in the minority. I think that Brother Gossett talked about some of those uh, situations <clears throat> during his uh, uh, lectures here are the presentation of the slides. But notice that beginning in verse 2, the Jews are mentioned several times. The Jews' feast of tabernacles, verse 2. In verse 11, the Jews sought him. In verse 13, people would not really come forth about their belief in Jesus for fear of the Jews. In verse 15, the Jews marveled and said, Who is this man that he can talk like this and answer all these questions and say all these things, and he's not a man who has studied in our rabbinical schools? How does he know all these things? That should have told them something, shouldn't it? Jesus had been doing that since he was how old? Twelve. He went into the temple at the age of twelve and was asking questions and answering questions and conversing with the great rabbinical leaders of that time. Can you imagine that? Have you ever had a 12-year-old to ask you a question or say something to you that just baffles you because well, he's only 12? There's a lot of kids that can ask you some really amazing questions. Just ask some of us grandparents. <laughs> you know, they, they can put you on the spot. Uh, then you have in verse 20 uh, a statement concerning the people. And it may very well be that the people of this verse is a reference to the Jews because the people said, you have a devil. Accused Jesus of having a devil. And you'll remember that he would also be accused of casting out evil spirits by Beelzebub, the prince of the demons. And that's when Jesus said, that's not logical. That doesn't make sense because a house divided against itself cannot stand. How, why would the devil cast out the devil? You know, there's, there's a lot of uh, logical questions that are asked in the Scriptures, and sometimes people think that 
people who are Christians are not logical people. But we are. Jesus asked questions to prove points. In verse 35, uh, the Jews are mentioned again. And uh, uh, in this particular section, along about verse 35, the Jews were wondering where Jesus would hide so they could not find him. And do you notice what they say? We talk a lot about the Jews and the Gentiles. Here, there is mention made of the Gentiles. Will he go to the Gentiles and teach the Gentiles? Now, they probably didn't think of this, wasn't aware of it when they were making this statement, but if they were really good students of the Old Testament, what would they have already known? They would have known the gospel was going to be carried to the Gentiles because the Old Testament foretold that. They would have readily known that, but they didn't. Let's go back now and talk some more about Jesus' family in verses 3 through 10. Just some things for us to think about, and, and feel free to speak up and, and put in your two cents worth. How valuable is a family? How valuable is a family? Okay. Look at your own family and whether they are We get our head started. What is the first social relationship that you read about in the Bible? Family, isn't it? That's where it all started. We call uh, the biblical family, as you read about in the book of Genesis, uh, and the family as most of us knew growing up. Now, some of you younger ones uh, would, would not recognize maybe as much about this as some of us who are older. I remember a time when you, when you thought of a family, you thought of a man and a woman and their children. We had a few old bachelors in our community. There was an amazing character that lived out on the ridge next to my uncle and aunt. Well, he was an uncle to that uncle of mine. And uh, that uncle married my dad's sister. But uh, his last name was Davis. 
And there was this gentleman that lived in a little house diagonally around the, the big curve. He was on the other side of the big curve at my Uncle Lecter and Aunt Ruby's house on Highway 56. And he was the first man I remember who lived alone. He'd never been married. He was deathly afraid of snakes and lizards. But he would help uh, load hay. His first man I ever knew had, had a, a, a mustache, a heavy mustache. And, and I can still see Uncle Dak sitting, uh, you know, Dolly Parton had that line in that song, straight back chair on two legs leaned against the wall. That was Uncle Dak. Long time before I ever heard Dolly Parton. He was doing that. And uh, he lived alone. And I thought that was so strange. Chopping out corn one day right behind his house. And I saw him out on the back porch washing with just a wash pan on a handrail. How many of you remember that? Yeah, I had a water bucket hanging up there. And he put that water, took that dipper, dipped that water out, put it in that pan. And then he leaned over and washed his sweaty, grimy face, you know. I thought, that, that's really amazing. He lives alone. He didn't have anybody but his nephew lived up the road just to hop and skip. But most of the families, just about all of them, you had a daddy and a mama and the kids, the children. Now, sometimes, like at our, in our family, we had a grandmother who lived with us because you've heard me tell the story. Her husband died when he was 38 and left her with four girls. And she reared those four girls on that farm where my dad and mom later lived. And, uh, you know, I thought that was a stand. She was the only grandmother I ever knew. Only grandparent I ever knew. But uh, that was family. You know, she was not a child. She was a grandmother, but she was a, part, a major part of our family. And that was very natural because the Bible teaches us the importance of showing honor and respect to our parents taking care of them when they grow older and can't take care of themselves and, and all of that. But a family, I like to describe it as God's support system. You hear a lot of talk in our world today about you need a support system. The family is the original support system. And I think when you read the Bible and you read about relationships that are, quote, unnatural, Paul talks about that in Romans 1, you know, where he clearly shows that homosexuality is wrong. And the basic reason he says that it's wrong is it's unnatural. Why is it unnatural? Because God didn't create it that way. Everybody talks about Mother Nature. That which is natural originated with God. He did it as it should be. 
I was thinking today, you look at human beings, you have male and female. And I know there are a lot of people who are trying to change that. They're trying to manufacture all kinds of uh, sexes and uh, the lack thereof and just have everything in an uproar. But there is a natural order that goes back, harkens back to when God created man and woman. I've got a sermon coming up about this, but I'm going to mention it right now because it comes to mind. I heard a fellow the other day talking about that we needed to work something out where we can dim the sun. And I thought, well, I thought we got rid of smog because that's what was happening. Now, Barry knows a whole lot more about environment than I do. But that doesn't make sense to an old country boy. You want to get rid of all the smog so the sun can shine brighter. And now you've got somebody come along and start talking about we've got to dim the sun because it's bad for the environment. The sun is a source of vitamin D, isn't it? Now, I don't know about you, but I feel a lot better when I get some sunshine. Yeah, Miss Dimple said most people hadn't had arthritis, evidently, because we've talked many times, and I'll ask her how she's doing when she comes in. If it's a real rainy period, she'll say, if this rain would stop, I'd feel a whole lot better. And uh, it, it's amazing how... Barometric pressure and all that affects our body. That's a good point. Good point. Now, Barry made a, a really good comment here a minute ago about it depends on the kind of family you have. You look at families today. Some families are described as dysfunctional. Some are divided. And there are all kinds of other situations. You know, Johnny has two mommies or Johnny has two daddies. And all of these things go back and forth. But you can't get away from God's arrangement, initial arrangement. Jesus kept taking people back. Have you not heard that he who made them made them male and female. He took us all the way back to the beginning. We need to do that today as well. The nuclear family, which is dad and mom and the kids, is under attack. There are people who are trying to change and alter culture and society by breaking down the nuclear family. Now, you may or may not be aware of this, but Marxism attacks the nuclear family. Do you remember what uh, 
the Nazis did, Nazi Germany, have you read enough of that history to discover that they turned family members against family members? So they would report their family members for, to the Nazi authorities. Jesus said that the time would come that family members would persecute other family members because of their belief in God and in Him. And in many ways, that's happening in places, maybe in some parts of this country and in a lot of other countries in our world. They will be offered a reward if they will turn in those family members who are Christians and identify them as such. Family is very important. God has a family, and that family is important. It's His church. And that family is to serve as a support group too. We're to support and encourage one another and do what we can to help. So let's remember some of these things and about uh, the family. But you see in this chapter a lot of other things. I'm going to mention some of these in the time we have remaining so that you can be thinking about them maybe in advance. Chapter 7 contains a great assessment of Jesus. That's found in verse 46. Never man spoke like this man. Now, I was surprised that there wasn't a lecture in the lectureship book on that. I, I may find it yet, but I, I don't think there's one in there on that. We uh, have a great offer found in this book, or this chapter rather, from Jesus. Jesus said in verses 37 and 38, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. He who believes on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And John goes on to explain that he was speaking about the coming of the Spirit. But he points out that the Holy Ghost had not come at that time because Jesus was not yet glorified. And then there's also in this chapter a great challenge delivered by Christ. In verses 23 and 24, he said, If a man on the Sabbath day receive circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry at me because I have made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day? And it's in that context that he said, judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgments. Judge righteous judgments. That's the context in which that is found. Well, we'll look at some other things next week, Lord willing. We hope that you'll be reading chapter 7, studying it, come prepared to discuss it, and uh, we, we will be blessed tremendously. Thank you so much for being here tonight.